No matter what season of life we find ourselves in, developing and strengthening our relationship with God helps us better understand our worth and potential. We are taught by Elaine A. Cannon, a former Young Women General President, that if we turn to our Heavenly Father, want Him in our life, love Him enough to keep His commandments, everything else will fall into place. To discuss Sister Cannon's message with us, we are very excited to have Sister Virginia Hinckley Pierce Cowley on the show with us today to share insights into this topic from her life experiences. Hello and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the inspiring stories and teachings of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm Shaylin Back, and I'm here with Carly Guyman. We're your co-hosts. For those who may be listening for the first time, in this season of Latter-day Saint Women podcast, we are learning from women featured in the book At the Pulpit, which is a compilation of short biographies and discourses given by Latter-day Saint women throughout our history. At the Pulpit is a church publication available online and in the Gospel Library app. And we've had the opportunity this season to sit down with historians and other prominent Latter-day Saints to discuss women from our history and the lessons we can learn from them today. And we hope you'll check out our other episodes. And if you've never heard of At the Pulpit or read this chapter, don't worry. You'll enjoy this conversation and be inspired by what you learn. On this episode of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, we are very excited to have Sister Virginia Pierce Cowley with us today. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, it's my pleasure, Carly. We're glad that you're here and we're looking forward to hearing from you. So before we discuss Elaine Cannon and the lessons that we can learn from her talk and her life, we want to first introduce Sister Cowley. So Virginia was the first counselor in the Young Women General Presidency from 1992 to 1997, and she is the daughter of former church president Gordon B. Hinckley and Marjorie Pay Hinckley. She majored in history and minored in English at the University of Utah, which is where she met her husband Jim and completed her final year of of her education in 1967 at the University of Nebraska while Jim attended medical school. She later completed a master's degree in social work at the University of Utah and worked briefly for the Salt Lake County Mental Health Department before joining the primary general board. She also saw clients in a private practice stopping in 1992 when she became the first counselor in the Young Women General Presidency. Her husband, James, was diagnosed with ALS and died in 2009. Together, they had six children, five girls, and one boy, and they have 27 grandchildren and one great-grandchild. She is a popular public speaker and has authored several books, and in December of last year, Virginia married Joe Cowley. So welcome, Sister Cowley. We're glad that you're here. (laughs) And I have a quick question for you because um, two of your children are twins, right? Yes. Okay, I have twin girls. Oh, mine are twin girls. advice (laughs) help anything? What would you tell me? (laughs) Oh, it's just a unique ride. And that first year is so hard. And after that, I I think parenting was a breeze. They parent each other. It's really fun. (laughs) That's great to hear. So, Virginia, you also have a talk included in At the Pulpit. So it was an address given at Brigham Young University, a women's conference, fairly recently, so in 2011. And it's called Prayer, a Small and Simple Thing. So this talk was actually included in the first season of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. So we'd love to have our listeners go back and listen to that as well. But, Virginia, what can you tell us about that address? And then what was your reaction when you learned it would be in At the Pulpit? Um, that was an interesting talk. If I remember correctly, um, they gave they well they give you the theme at a women's conference, and I think it was the keynote talk. I'm not sure, but um, 
they gave me the theme, and I just couldn't come up with anything. And so I called a couple of really trusted friends, and I said, I need some time with you two. And um, so I said, I've got this talk to give, da-da-da-da-da. I'm just feeling unsettled about it. I don't know what to do. And we talked through a lot of things. And finally, one of the women said, what what do you want to talk about? What are you thinking about lately? And I said, you know, I've been thinking about prayer a lot, and it's just such an ordinary topic. And she said, if you've been thinking about that, that's the talk you give. You can always make it fit the theme. <laughs> and so it was kind of a backwards deal. So I began the talk, and as I got into working on the talk, I thought prayer is a small and simple thing. And that was the that was the theme that they had given me. But I kind of went in it backwards. What did you think when they when you found out that it would be included in this volume of discourses? Um, I so love this volume. I think it is dynamite. And so, of course, I'm just overcome that I would get to be included with these magnificent women, some of whom I had never heard of before. I am a history major. I really like history, and I really love the history of women in the church. And these talks are so substantive. So these women are so articulate, and they're so current. I could stand on the corner and sell these <laughs> and not take a commission because I would be so believe in this. And you don't even have to because it's available online. And that's exactly right. That's kind of what I do in Relief Society. Every yes, few yeah. months it's I say, I, do too. I, know, I put in a little pitch for it. When I quote from it, I'm sure to bring it. <laughs> to yes. show it. So today we are discussing a talk given by Sister Elaine Cannon and um, discussing her life. She served as a young woman general president, and this talk was given at a young woman fireside in 1981. And she spoke about understanding our self-worth and developing a relationship with God. So Sister Pierce, although you served um, after, before Sister Cannon? Oh, way after. Way after. Did you know Elaine? Can you tell us a little bit about her? I, I love this woman. And she was just part of my child. She's a generation ahead of me. Her oldest child is my age. And I knew her going through school. But even before I knew any of the children, the name Elaine Cannon was everywhere throughout my entire childhood and and young adulthood. And then as I became a mother, she wrote for the Desert News. She was on the radio. She and Elder Hanks started the Era of Youth magazine. I mean, she just was everywhere. She did everything. She did everything. And she was so cheerful, so positive, so overwhelmingly buoyant (laughs) that, you know, and she, it felt to me like every time she talked, there was a little bit of a laugh underneath her voice. And have I said enough about how much I love (laughs) Elaine Cannon? When I, because she was a a whole generation ahead of me and that I'd known her through the years because my mother knew her and she lived out in our area for a while. When I went into the general young women presidency, I got a note from her. And this will tell you, Elaine Cannon, it said, Dear Virginia, so many meetings and everyone begins with prayer. Enjoy. Love, Elaine. And I just thought, that's Elaine Cannon. (laughs) So many meetings and everyone begins with prayer. Have a great time. I love that you know her and and that she had such an impact mm-hmm. on your childhood and then growing up and then in your service as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What can you tell us about some things she worked on during her presidency? 
Um, my girls, my older, my four older girls were in, in Young Women during the time she was president. So it was really fun for me to see on the ground floor what that looked like. When I read about what she was working on, I see different things. I mean, she was. She was working on getting a meeting for the young women. On Sundays. On Sundays. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not aware of any of those kinds of things when you're out in the field. You read about them later and you say, oh, oh, of course she would have wanted that. And so when the general young women meeting happened, you just thought, oh, great. But you didn't realize that she had been working on this and working on it and wanting this. One of the things she did do that I remember that hit the ground level while she was in the presidency was that there was a, I think it was the Days of 47 parade, but she invited all the girls to make their own flag out of a scripture. So, and my my older daughter was the only one that was old enough to do it then, and I still remember her the excitement of her quilting this kind of big flag that and and then they gave you a PVC pipe to put it on and marching in the parade with her scripture and but that's the kind of um, stand up and go do it uh, administration she had you felt it you felt it mm -hmm. you knew who was the president mm -hmm. I loved reading about her persistence <laughs> it, and I think the lesson that I took away from it is if you meet resistance. It doesn't mean that it's not going to happen or it shouldn't happen or it's yeah. not right. Yeah. If you meet resistance but you learn or you feel strongly that it's something that's important to you and it's something that is yeah. God's will. And she was then, never obnoxious about no, it. No, She was never out picketing. She just knew that she'd gotten direction and so she just kept— She kept trying. She kept trying. And it's that trying that goes into the mix all the way along. And we have a lot of things that Elaine would be really happy about now. Mm -hmm. A lot of them. Well, and seeing her example, you probably didn't know that you would find yourself in the situation of being in the general young woman presidency. Mm -hmm. And something that I loved about your service is that with the other members of the presidency, you wanted every young woman to become a righteous, problem-solving woman of faith. And I loved that word problem-solving. That's what you wanted to, them to become. And so I'm just wondering, how did your experiences, especially with practicing social work and any other things that you had going on, how did that affect your service in the presidency? I served with Jeanette Beckham-Hales, and she is a unique woman, really uh, smart and really righteous and a really, a really good thinker. And when she looked at young women and when we sat down together and we spent hours and hours and hours and hours, uh, the three of us, it was Pat Penniger was the other counselor and Jeanette and I. And we said, what would we want as the end goal? And it's not that that sentence isn't something that we ever send out anywhere, mm -hmm. that we ever put anywhere. It was our guidepost. For us, part of being a woman means to stand up and know how to solve problems. It isn't just to wait for somebody else to come up with a good idea and, and go along with it. And I think that's a message for our day. I think women are recognizing that they have great ability to solve problems. We have from the beginning. Some people think they're waiting for somebody else to solve their problems for them. <laughs> so when I look at adolescence, that's one of the things that I, I was talking the other day to a friend, and her father is a good friend of mine, and I said, tell me about your dad growing up, because he was a brilliant man. And she said, one of the things he would always do is that when we would bring a problem to him, he'd say, you know what? 
you're smart. You can figure that out. <laughs> and so she said, we all grew up thinking we could figure things out. It's an amazing thing to teach a child. It is, particularly when you were like this man who was smart beyond smart and had things pretty well figured out for himself. He just said, you're smart. You can figure it out. But that doesn't do your children any good. Yeah, if you just give them the answer. <laughs> yeah. or And I think in the gospel, too, you know, revelation such a big tool and blessed yeah. that we have in our lives. And so it's one thing for someone else to have received an answer and, and tell us and something else to figure it out yeah. on our own. One of my friends recently, we were at a play date and her son had a problem and she just said, is it a big problem or a small problem? And so I just love yeah. these like principles mm-hmm. of problem solving and teaching not only adolescents, but our little kids too. So I really appreciated that about your service. Thank you. So I recently listened to an interview that you did with Ruth Todd on what's now called the Latter-day Saints channel. It was previously the Mormon channel. And I loved how you talked about your parents and the upbringing because, of course, you're the daughter of President Hinckley, who I feel like was the prophet of my youth. We have a very special relationship to, to his presidency. But you said that You just had an ordinary childhood with ordinary parents who worked hard for what they had and then taught their children very sound principles. And so what did your parents teach you about, you know, the topic of Elaine's talk about self-worth and about your relationship with God? And how have those teachings affected you in your life? I believe that it was so clear to us, to each one of, of my siblings and to myself, that my parents believed the gospel of Jesus Christ and that they believed they were good people (laughs) and that they were worth something. I don't ever remember them verbally saying anything about, oh, you know, you are a child of God or you. There was just this assumption that we would know that because they knew it about themselves and that's the way they acted. I I think we've gotten so... And, and I don't think it's a bad thing to be so purposeful about what we teach children. And I think probably in these times we have to maybe articulate it better. But in those days, I don't think most parents did articulate those kinds of things. You had family nights, but they were like sharing, learning to share. It wasn't about the atonement. Mm-hmm. And there was just an assumption that you would get this because, for heaven's sakes, it was so true. <laughs> <laughs> And that happened in our house. They kept their covenants. They believed the gospel. They cheerfully demonstrated that in every way. I don't remember them ever complaining about church work or people in positions or anything. And I just think that's the kind of thing. It's who your parents are rubs on you more than what they say. I think that's encouraging for parents to hear. Mm -hmm. If you are striving to be the kind of person that you hope your children will be, that's pretty powerful. Some of my warmest memories are of my mother preparing her Relief Society lessons or her primary lessons because they'd all be on the dining room table. And, you know, I felt like as a little kid, I was really invested in this because (laughs) she'd have me cutting out pictures and stuff for her. And she loved doing it. And I think that just rubbed off on all of us that we like church work and we like being part of this. So speaking of your mother, we would love to talk about her for a minute and the influence that she had on you and your family and and the church. And I 
Shaylin and I were laughing earlier because I remembered last year when I had my first baby and was feeling so overwhelmed with this big change in my life. I just thought, I need to read something really encouraging from a real woman. And I sent out a little message to the group of women in my ward. So does anyone have Marjorie Hinckley's books? I borrowed them from a friend and I read a couple of them. And it was just so nice to feel encouraged from a real woman, you know, who could laugh and could cry and had so much faith and so much joy in living the gospel. So I can say for myself, she's had a a very positive influence on me. That makes me so happy. (laughs) I'm so happy to share her with you, Carly. (laughs) So um, you you were just saying that service in the church was just a part of who she was and that that wasn't a burden on her. It energized her. So we'd love for you to share a little bit more of the legacy that you've seen that she's left, you know, for your family and for women in the church who who get to be inspired by little bits of her wisdom. One of the huge gifts that she gave us, and I didn't realize it for a long time, was how much the cousins, how much my children and their cousins love each other. And that was because of her. She never, ever came to your house and told you how great the other kids were. (laughs) Which I find myself every once in a while wanting to do because I want to tell somebody how fun these other grandchildren are. But I forget that they have children right in their house and they're just as fun. (laughs) (laughs) But she would once a year have a party where none of the parents could come, just the grandchildren. It was the Christmas party. She just got them together in such happy, non-competitive Uh, supportive ways, that these kids are, of course, cousins are all different. They're all over the map. But now they're all children who are launching their own children, and they still are on Facebook together or they're getting together for lunch or when they go to somebody else's city, they are staying with them. And I just think, for me, that's one of the huge gifts she's given me is that my children have cousins they love. Mm -hmm. It's really great. That's really sweet. I wish our listeners could have seen you, Virginia, when we said that we were going to talk more about your mom, because you just got so excited. Your face lit up and you're just kind of bouncing out of your chair a little. And I just and I just feel like that's the kind of mom I have as I'm sitting here. I'm like, my mom is such a good person. And my grandma was such a good person with having the cousins together. And I just want to be that kind of mother that has that kind of influence on my children. And so thank you for just sharing again, for sharing her with us. When Dad became the president of the church, that's one of the things we said was, oh, we're so happy Mother is still alive and everything and that she can go with him because she's just what everybody needs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So it was good. Going back a little bit to to Sister Cannon, I feel like she and you had a similar attitude toward prayer and work and doing the Lord's will. Something that she said was, I am willing to go to the Lord and say, okay, I really care about this. If it's something you're interested in, then help me. (laughs) Together, we can go and do whatever we need to do. And you've adapted what your father taught you. And you have said, just say your prayers, go to bed. And when you get up in the morning, go back to work. My take on prayer, honestly, I'm not one to make many demands on the Lord. And I know there are people that are really specific and they really ask him for things and they're tenacious about them. And he answers their prayers. I'm not saying that's not okay. Um, There is a place in the words of Mormon where it says Mormon is, is abridging the plates. And he's saying, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I know the Lord worketh in me to do his will. That's the way I feel about prayer. I feel like I keep my covenants. I pray. 
I believe, and I believe he's working in me. Mm-hmm. I have the Holy Ghost. I have the gift of the Holy Ghost. What it means to me is that as I go forward, I feel his approval. And so for me, that's the way I see sort of answers to prayers. I don't often wrestle with one thing and see that he answers that specific prayer. But I just feel like he just has his hands on my life. And he's giving me so many blessings that I almost hate to ask for what I really think I want because what he gives me is always better. <laughs> so I, I'm sort of, um, I just sort of trust him. And, it, and, and it, that's different than Elaine. I'm not, and I'm not saying that she isn't right. But I think he answers my prayers in different ways than he does hers. Well, and I think that's helpful for everybody to hear mm-hmm. because having just one example of receiving prayers, thats that can be dangerous because mm-hmm. then people will think their prayers aren't being answered. But I do think the important thing is that we're praying and that we're acknowledging, acknowledging those God's hand, God's hand mm-hmm. in our lives and yeah. doing things. Yeah. You know, I think you're and an incredible forward. example of yeah. moving yeah. forward. I think you'd have to move forward, but I think you move forward feeling like, you know, if I if he doesn't move me to this side or that side, which he does sometimes, then I should go forward and he will bless whatever I do mm-hmm. because you're wanting there. to do his yeah. will. Yeah, I, that's absolutely. that's my desire. And so when there there have been times when I've really wanted something and prayed for it, and and as I've prayed, looking back, I noticed that my prayers changed, and his will was done, which probably in the beginning wasn't my will, but it feels like my will by the time Mm -hmm. it happens. It feels right. Thank you for sharing what you've seen in your life, and it helps people reflect on their own experiences and and their own kind of purpose in prayer. I did some interviews once with some um, women of faith, families of faith, different faiths, and um, we interviewed a woman once, and we said to her, what about prayer in your life? What place does prayer have in your life? These were amazing Christian women. And she, we were in her living room, and she said, see that chair over there? And we said, yeah. And she said, that's my prayer chair. And then she talked about how she got up every morning before her children got up, and she uh, would sit in her chair, and she would read her scriptures, and then she would pray. And she said, and that journal over there is where I write down what I have prayed about. And then I write down when those prayers are answered. I walked out of her room, and I thought, Hmm, that is really interesting. And every once in a while, I've done that. I did that. I don't do it a lot because then you start thinking about what you're going to write instead of what you're praying for. <laughs> it gets all mixed up with your, you know. But the thing that I noticed was that I would write down something that I was praying about. And honestly, I would look at this notebook the next day and the problem had been solved. <laughs> or I would go back two or three weeks and notice that, oh, I prayed about that then. That's what happened today. So I think there is something about a level of awareness that is pretty faith-building. I think he is answering prayers more often than I was aware or than most of us are aware. Well, speaking of journaling and acknowledging things from the Lord, something about Elaine Cannon is she— was a journal writer. (laughs) But something she wrote when she was 11 kind of stuck out to me. She said, I'm writing this down so that when I'm a grown-up working with youth, I will remember what it felt like to be young. And I think that's so cool because she's not writing in hindsight. This is That's her now as an 11-year-old. And I feel like just 
the way she spoke. She remembered what it was like to be young. I, I kind of I felt that throughout her talk, and I know things certainly have changed from the time she was 11 to the time she served as the young woman general president. So what are some needs throughout your lifetime that you've seen that stay the same from when you were, for an example, from when you were 11? Mm -hmm. You know, what are some things that stay the same as young women? And then what are some things that stay the same? Well, I think she's hit the nail on the head here. It's the identity piece. Mm -hmm. is, And that's what you're grappling with when you're a young young woman age is just who am I and does and and I'm not like anybody else because I'm the only one that's suffering or I'm the only one that's lonely or I'm the only one that's and you get all tied up in that feeling of being isolated and not connected and this talk is magnificent I think in terms of describing that relationship we can have with our Father in Heaven. And she's such a good writer <laughs> that um, when she talks about the springtime and she talks, she layers on the things and she talks about patriarchal blessings and she talks about her patriarchal blessing, to a young girl, to an older girl, to anyone, this is a really persuasive message about getting at what we all need and that's that sense of identity and peacefulness about who we are. So... I think one question that is especially in the forefront today is that because we are so aware of others' lives around us, perhaps because of social media, you know, we do get pulled. And so there's so many things we think that we need or that we should be or that we should be doing. And I think it's easy to be discouraged or dissatisfied with the life that we have, especially as we can compare it so easily with others. But like you've said, when we understand our identity, we become more grounded and we find joy in living a Christ-like life. So how can women feel inspired, both young women and older women, to, to feel that in the midst of all of those kind of distractions and, and things that are pulling a, on us? I think there are some things that are operating now because of um, the, the everybody in real time with social media and everything that you, that it's hard to get out of that. And for my granddaughters at, at this point in time, I look at them and I think one of the most healthy things that I can do with them is to get them outside, is to go for a hike. Say, any of you guys want to go for a hike today? And they usually want to go, but I think there's something really calming about going into the natural world without your phones and without other people and without your makeup and without your, <laughs> you know... And just seeping in that feeling of nature, you know, Sharon Larson, who was also in the General Young Women Presidency at one point, said to me one time, the reason nature is so restorative is that you're surrounded by complete obedience. And I said, what? And she said, well, think about it. The laws of nature absolutely operate. So every leaf is obedient to the laws of nature. <laughs> Everything is. I thought, that's a really nice thing. And it's no wonder when people talk about when they get outside, they feel closer to God. Think, well, things are behaving. Things as, are behaving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're doing exactly what he told them to do. <laughs> and we aren't. But, so I think nature is a big deal. And I think, honestly, prayer is a big deal. It's a really big deal. Because when we talk about answers to prayers and those kinds of things, that's one thing. But always with prayer... There's an acknowledgement from him that he knows 
what your struggles are, even if he doesn't fix the problems. He knows. You've told him, and he knows. Mm-hmm. And Elaine Cannon shares a really sweet experience in her talk where she kind of felt she was preparing to receive a patriarchal blessing, and she went out in nature. And Do you just love that? <laughs> I, it, that I, I had that paragraph marked in my mm-hmm. book when I read it because of the writing is so wonderful. Mm-hmm. So maybe I, share a little bit oh, for listeners who haven't, yeah, yes, who haven't read. Mm-hmm. She talks about the night before a patriarchal blessing going out and lying down on the ground. And she said, I felt very grown up. Then suddenly I felt once again the pull of the stars. Kind of self-consciously at first, I stretched down on my back on the prickly grass as I had done so often as a child. You know what I mean. Then once again, I took a deep breath and turned my face skyward. I studied the heavens. I found the familiar constellations and got placement with the North Star. And then there came to me the mind-stretching, soul-searing experience of feeling lifted up into the universe, almost in the presence of God, it seemed to me. It set my heart pounding. I knew my prayers had reached home in heaven. The witness of the Spirit to me that God lives and was mindful of little me, warmed me to tears. The next day when I went for my blessing, I knew that the blessings and instructions were given to me by that wonderful patriarch were personal. Do you just love that? Mm -hmm. And it is. It's that combination of prayer and nature and overwhelming Holy Ghost. It just seems very peaceful. Yeah, yeah. How she describes it is so relatable, too, whether or not we've had— that exact experience, just how she knew her prayers were answered and that God knew her at that time. I love the way she writes that. And and when we read that, we feel it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's that's the magic of it. Mm -hmm. You know, even if we haven't had that exact experience, we feel a confirmation of that experience that she had. So I just think our young people just need to be surrounded by people who are (laughs) soul-stretching. Well, she's very passionate about helping young women understand who they are and build their potential and strengthen this relationship with Heavenly Father. And since this talk was given in the 80s, we have her words. We have it recorded. So we'd like to share one of her quotes. And then I would love to hear, Virginia, what you think about when you hear this. Now, while you're away from Heavenly Father, wandering here on earth, experiencing and learning, He's watching. He's waiting. He wants you to come home again. He wants you to make it. No doubt you've had some moments when you felt a kind of inner longing, a loneliness, even while surrounded by other people. You've felt a kind of eternal homesickness. Some people have spoken of it as. You have a vague remembrance that you do have a special link with Heavenly Father. I think that knowing this ought to make a difference in how you feel about yourself. It ought to make a difference in how you are and in the things you do and the choices that you make. We believe that each of you should develop a sweet and saving relationship with the Lord. Because when you have that, everything else will fall into place. Things like personal purity and temple endowment and honoring your parents and learning all you can about the plan of life and the principles to live it. See, it really doesn't matter. Really, it doesn't matter whether you are skinny or wide or tall or small. It's what you are inside that counts. That's all. So you develop yourself with a new confidence, a new purpose, and you begin to contribute 
to others of our Heavenly Father's children. That's a good one, isn't it? I just think she says it. She just is so straightforward about it. And hearing her voice say it, you just know she. this is not a memorized speech. She, she gets it, and she wants you to get it, too. Well, and although this was given to um, young women, it's directed mm-hmm. toward young women, as a mother and a grandmother to women and girls, what counsel would you give to mothers and leaders of young women today? And just women in general, what kind of encouragement and advice would do you give to your own daughters that maybe would be applicable to, to everyone that you'd want to share with our listeners? My girls are really clear about the fact that I don't give them much advice, and they're really annoyed with that. <laughs> they said, you tell us what to do when it's not important, but when it's important, you say, I just don't know. <laughs> and I, I just think the, the most important thing you can do is invite them to pray and express confidence in them. I think we all need somebody else to say, hey, you can do this. You've got it in you, and you are a good person, and the the Lord knows you, and this will work out. It's kind of what my mother used to do for me. She said, she, I would call her and I would let her know some, what a child I was worried about or whatever. And then the next day she'd call me and she'd say, I've been thinking about it. You know, she's going to be just fine. She's really going to be just fine, and you're, you're just doing fine, too. You're, you are amazing. <laughs> and then I'd think, Oh, I must be. I must be okay, and, and this must be all right. I think we underestimate the power of mentoring relationships of women. I think older women have a ability to encourage younger women, and middle-aged women have an ability to encourage newlyweds and teenagers. I just think those comments make a difference. You and I can remember mm-hmm. times. When a woman sitting on the back row of Relief Society and you give a lesson and she says afterwards to you, boy, you did it. You did a great job. You hit that just right. And you just, you need that. She didn't think it was much, but I just think um, when Camilla Kimball used to say, never suppress a generous Mm -hmm. thought, it's something we need to remember because they matter. Mm -hmm. So this talk that we've been discussing today was given a while ago, you know, several (laughs) decades ago. But what about this message makes it timeless and relevant? Well, it's just as we said before, it's about identity. And it's about knowing who you are. And that is timeless. It's what we worry about constantly with girls. It just gets harder and harder and harder. You know, is my identity my body? Is it Mm -hmm. how I look? Is it my clothes? Is it the number of likes I get? Is it the number of followers I have? It's the same deal, and she's just taking us right back to the most relevant antidote to that possible. So, Virginia, is there anything else from Sister Cannon's talk that you were inspired by that you'd like to share? I really liked that she focused in on the patriarchal blessing, and we've talked about that a little bit, but I think that is timeless, too. That's a that's an anchor to a young person, and I noticed that my grandchildren all are pretty tuned into that, and they've asked for their blessings at different times. Some of them are more reluctant to get a blessing than others, and I think that stems from some insecurity about Maybe I'm going to find out I'm not great. <laughs> but um, but I think that patriarchal blessing is a tangible, really great way for a young person to get a sense of their identity. It's really big. 
-hmm. So I think for me in this talk, that was, we don't talk a lot about patriarchal blessings, but Mm -hmm. this was valuable. Well, and something that's kind of neat that our listeners may or may not know is that you can request patriarchal blessings from your ancestors who Mm -hmm. have passed Mm -hmm. away, you know, your parents and your grandparents. And so I've done that and I've read through them and been able to gain some insight, I think, into my grandparents' lives that I wasn't aware of. But I had a friend recently that her grandfather is living with them right now and he has dementia, but he's started to share some insights from his patriarchal blessing and how he has seen those things unfold throughout his life and the things that he's been able to accomplish and that truly his patriarchal blessing either helped him on his way or he's seen those blessings come to pass. And so I thought that was neat too, that, you know, that's a tool that we have that's unique that can really guide us and help us in our identity. It's really unique. You don't know any other church that offers that. It's it's pretty unique. Mm-hmm. Well, and I really liked, you mentioned this, but that this is something that really struck me when I read it, is that it's a, a very tangible reminder yeah. of our relationship with God. But it's, beyond that, he knows me. Mm-hmm. He knows me. Yeah. And depending on what your your blessing reads like, right? You know, but they all kind of give this message and reminder of yeah. who we are to God and yeah. and what we mean to him. Well, and in conclusion, something that Sister Cannon said is since you're personally accountable for your own actions and choices, how soon will you start shouldering the powerful and precious responsibility for yourself? And I love this. She says, when, little sister, you who are a daughter of God, when? It's a great line, isn't it? And, and she just, she had the power to do that. She was a Captain Moroni in a lot of ways. Thank you so much, Virginia, for taking the time to share with us your insights and, and your thoughts and your experiences from your life with us. We appreciate everything you've done for the women of the church. And thanks to each of you for listening to this episode of the Latter-day Saint Women Podcast. And if you liked what you heard today, please take a moment to share with your friends and family. We would also love to hear your comments and ideas for what you would like to hear on this podcast. So please send your feedback and ideas to podcast at churchofjesuschrist.org. And as a reminder, At the Pulpit is available in its entirety on the Gospel Library app and online at churchhistorianspress.org. And we invite you, our listeners, to use At the Pulpit as you study, speak, teach, and lead in the gospel. And until next time, I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Back. Thanks again for listening.